Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a movie review podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing one another to films. Uh, and in this way, we help each other to catch up on our cinema. Uh, so today, uh, it is Kyle's pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, we covered a giant monster movie out of Japan. And this week, though, Kyle, what will we be tackling? We are tackling a tiny little dark comedy movie set around the holidays directed by Harold Ramis called The Ice Harvest from 2005. Uh, it feels like the 90s. Um, a little bit. <laughs> it feels like a 90s movie. Um, yeah, this one went under the radar. Uh, I found this about a year ago. I found it... I was looking for Christmas movies I hadn't seen. I'm like, what's some dark comedy Christmas movies? And this one came up. Uh, and I didn't watch it right away. I actually just watched it fairly recently because uh, we were looking for ideas for you know this month. And I'm like, this is one I want to see. And I watched it. I'm like, I actually had a good time with it. Um, it's not a very exciting film. Like I said, it's very much a dark comedy. Very. Very dark. <laughs> very dark. <laughs> uh, surprising that it was directed by Harold Ramis because uh, there's, there's violence and boobs and all kinds of stuff in here. Well, I mean, he's he's not a stranger to to dark comedy, and like, there's there's oftentimes like a sense of like consequences that come with people's actions that I I could see kind of like coming into his writing style, but yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. Although it starts to make sense when you start to see the cast, mm. where it's like, hmm, this this feels a little lampoony, yeah, <laughs> it's just a little bit. Oh yeah, not not overly so, but it's like, huh. You know, people people have on set connections. People people make friends on the set, or you know, like across their entire career. And yeah, especially late in the movie, we start to see some familiar faces pop up. But yeah, this is a pitch black comedy for sure. Um, it's a very quaint movie. Um, it's very cozy. Yeah, like I, I enjoyed it for that purpose. In a similar way to how I enjoy uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Gotcha. Um, for it's more for the things that it doesn't do, as opposed to the things that it does. Like it, it's funny, but without trying too hard. It's dark without trying too hard, and just the basic editing and shot style of it. It's it feels very laid back, mm. and information's fed to you at a steady rate. Um, there's like pervasive rain throughout the entire film, and yeah. it feels like that kind of movie, like a movie that you'd put on when it's like, oh shit, it's raining out. I got nothing else to do. I just want to have a, a nice time that's not terribly challenging. Mm-hmm. I want to have some laughs, maybe a few cringes here and there, and you know, it has good, it has good Cusack and great Oliver Platt. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I know that was probably a huge selling point for you in particular. Uh, I didn't even realize he was in the movie uh, until we were introduced to him. I'm like, oh fuck, I forgot initially that Oliver Platt was in this. Uh, sorry if my voice is cracking, if I sound a little uh, a little sick because I'm getting over something. It might be getting something new. I don't even know at this point. I have no idea what's happening. Well, it needs to be said. You folks at home can't see this, but Kyle has a carton of tapioca pudding, black coffee. And he just had cream cheese bagel. Yeah, I'm uh, basically a 70 year old man at this. So point. basically, he has a variety of dairy products and a mug of acid in yeah. front of him. So if his throat's a little fucked up, give him a break. Yeah, I'm, like trying to be that assassin from Smoking Aces, like like doing the spraying and like smoking. My name is Bertoli. Like trying to get that. That kind of sums up that entire movie. Ugh, it? Just yeah. trying too hard. The movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. That and uh, uh, end of watch. Uh, <laughs> Ouch! Spoiler: It sucks. So yeah, we've got um, this is a John Cusack movie. I would say more than anything else, mm-hmm. and, and it needs to be said: it's a John Cusack movie in that this has his tone. Like it's 
I don't know what it is, what his quality is. He has a strange quality about him. He's just... He's neurotic. He's... But unaffected. Yeah, he's neurotic. He's un, he's disaffected. Um, he's capable, but reluctant. Yes. Like, he, he's that kind of person. He's very hard to pin down, but John Cusack often has, like, a typical... Like, there's a template for how you use your John Cusack. And, and this, this is very much it. This is a... I, it, like, it kind of feels like his character from Gross Point Blank after Gross Point Blank. Yeah, like when he's seriously committed to retirement or something. Yeah, and he's like, I became a lawyer, and I became a mob lawyer instead yeah, of a hitman. things didn't work out with Minnie Driver. I've put away my guns for real this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I just want to, you know, squirrel away some cash and lay low. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually could see that. <laughs> and you mentioned he's dressed the same, too. He's yeah, really... he's got his blazer on at all times. Yeah. I don't think he ever takes it off. No. <laughs> it's part of him. It's his second skin. Um, I can give a rundown of the movie real quick. Uh, this is uh, John Cusack plays a mob lawyer who ends up uh, robbing his mob boss, which if you're out there, I highly suggest you don't do that. Um, he does that with the help of Billy Bob Thornton, who is an asshole. Uh, Randy Quaid is the mob boss, who we don't get introduced until much later, and Connie Nielsen is just kind of in the movie. Uh, She's the femme fatale. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like a noir trope that, even if you're not familiar with noir cinema, which is the case with me, I actually haven't seen that many noir films. I know the, tra- I know the trappings of a noir, and mm-hmm. that's basically what she's there to do. Actually, there's a, a very prolific anime called uh, Lupin the Third, Rupan, um, it's a, it's basically about a thief, but he's, he's like a, like devil may care kind of thief that always gets into adventures and mishaps and he's got a samurai buddy and a buddy that's a dead shot. And then there's a character named Fujiko that's the femme fatale that is always kind of like tagging along on his adventures and almost always comes out on top. Gotcha. And that's very typical of like noir stories and stuff that there'll be like some third party, usually a female who's playing both sides and you know. Men are dumb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to the end. Oh, of the, this movie is men are dumb. Yeah, this movie is men are dumb. Yeah, the, the motion picture. Yes, one hundred percent. How the fuck did Connie Nielsen not get out of Wichita? Fucking for real, dude. She, she is, got options. She is a smoke show. There's no way. I don't think I've ever seen Connie Nielsen look better. No, than the, in this movie. I'm Gladiator. I'd say she's. I mean, but, the style of the day isn't really my taste. It's a little too showy. Her hair feels like a wig in this movie. It might be a wig hat. I, I, it might be a wig hat. That's the only thing keeping. But still, like she's a, a bombshell. Oh like, yeah, yeah, very much so. So you're you're very welcome to hang she's, around the picture as long as you like Miss Nielsen. I, just just don't break anything. Well, just, <laughs> I mean, in her defense, like, sh- well. I'm not going to spoil it just yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, again, directed by Harold Ramis. Uh, this is a $2 million heist uh, these guys pull off, and they're trying to get out of town, and the weather is basically keeping them from leaving, and turns out that the mob boss is on their trail, and they're trying to get out in time. And uh, Merry mishaps ensue. There you go. <laughs> and uh, there's a drunk Oliver Platt as well. <laughs> because, I mean, honestly, like his character... Doesn't really do much yeah. as far as the story goes. If you're on the fence about whether you'd be intrigued in, you know, interested in seeing this film, just take that into consideration. There is copious amounts of drunk Oliver Platt. <laughs> and it's great. Oh, it's great. Still not the best drunk acting I've seen, but better than some of the drunk acting I've seen. What would the best drunk acting be, Kyle? Uh, Tyler Labine in um, Zack and Mary Make a Porno. It's um, 100% the, uh, it's the best. Uh, so much so that I think he had to have been drunk for it because it was too good. But yeah, um, 
Oliver Platt's being drunk and obnoxious, but he's also like 6'4 and just a big dude. Like That actually struck me. It's because you and I both think of him as a, as a big fucking guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, his head is two sizes too big, and, which makes him look enormous. Yeah. Um, especially in uh, year one, which would be oh, Harold Ramis's next. I and, forgot. Yeah, Harold Ramis's next and last film. I did not realize uh, so that. So that's a connection right there. Oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta scan the file to see if there's more Harold Ramis and Oliver Platt. Yeah, I, I'd be curious. Um, but what was what stood out to me is that John Cusack is like eye to eye with him it's mm-hmm. like oh wow john cusack's a tall guy I think he's a little shorter than him at some points it, it it yeah actually i think you're right um which tells you that john cusack's a pretty tall guy and also it brings to mind uh gross point blank uh, the benny arquita yeah fight I was yeah like, yeah benny's pretty small <laughs> i mean benny benny's very capable he's a wonderful kickboxer he's given us some of the best fights in cinema history but standing opposite john cusack there is a height discrepancy. That's one of the, that's one of the funniest things I've seen is that fight. I love oh, that fight. Mirror in the bathroom, man. <laughs> Just forevermore, that song is going to be associated with that fight. So yeah, we actually start the movie starts off with like Billy Bob Thornton and like we're starting off with the heist, and I believe John Cusack is narrating throughout. Yeah, uh, we get a shot um, which will come back at the end of the film. Uh, it's a typical like crime caper thing where you get the conclusion at the front of things, but. It's John Cusack looking fucking miserable in the cold, and he's narrating things. And he's I, good at that. He's talking about yeah. <laughs> he's, he's good at being miserable. Yeah, he's good at being, like, not not necessarily miserable, but just like the complete and total opposite of content. Yes, he's just in a slump. Yeah, and, yeah, just uppity and unsettled. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he has some lines of narration here where. I didn't write all of it down, but essentially it's like people say there's no such thing as a perfect crime, but I don't believe in that. And then we get some footage of him at the Wichita Bank shaking hands with some fella, and presumably this is where the heist is going on. Um, But yeah, there's also a a very Cusack line here, Christmas Eve, ho, ho, fucking ho, um, which actually I think he lifted from Oliver Platt because he says it later in the film. Ho, ho, fucking ho. So he put that in his drawer. to claim as his own. <laughs> um, and then we get the opening titles. Uh, Little Drummer Boy, I believe, is the song that plays over yeah. the, the credits of the right. rainy nativity scene. It's like, you know, it's all the nativity figures, like in porcelain or whatever, and then it starts to rain. Get ready for lots of that. The entire movie oh, is yeah. covered in fucking rain. And then, yeah, we're in Billy Bob's car, and they have an exchange here. Yeah, Billy Bob's... I don't like... Billy Bob has... Bad body language, like I mean, not not like as a performance, but like he's just not a nice guy. He's very snippy, and you can tell he's not a good person. Like he's the kind of guy that yells at servers for messing up something very inconsequential, like just something very small. Very much so. Billy Bob seems to have a talent for playing like the many different shades of asshole. Oh yeah, (laughs) like he can he can do fifty shades of asshole. Yeah, he really he he is the phone book of assholery. Bad news bears, Mister Woodcock, fucking bad bad Santa's a whole other level of asshole. Pushing ten, he's kind of an arrogant prick. Yep, but he's I know that just from the previews. Yeah. He's more reserved, though. He's he's more tight-lipped in that. In this one, he's the fast-talking, like, you're too slow for me, kid. I don't have time for this shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he is an expert asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very good in this movie. He has some of the best lines in the movie. He... Uh, he ends up having some of the funnier moments, uh, aside from Oliver Platt in this. Absolutely. No, he, big time. Like, Wait. he he has some choice lines in this, and even his physical performance. There's mm-hmm. one part in particular yeah. <laughs> that was, I was rolling. 
Um, but yeah, we're having an exchange here, and it needs to be said, the first like 20 minutes of this movie, I'm not sure if it was the case with you, but for me, uh, I didn't know what was happening. Um, I didn't feel lost, but the, the writers and the director were respecting my intelligence enough to expect that I'd be able to swim. You know, mm-hmm. Where it's like, I'm just going to throw you in there and you're going to figure it out. It's you like kind of know what's going to go out. It's like that Christopher Titus show when, when Stacy Keach teaches him how to swim. He's just like, help your brother. <laughs> it's like, throws him like, in the lake. I loved that show. It was good. It didn't last long. I, actually, I enjoyed it. I, I actually met him. I saw him do stand-up. Uh, we went for a bachelor party in uh, Nashville. And we met him afterwards. I'm like, dude, we fuck. My brother and I love Titus, and he's like, shook my hands, like, fucking thanks, man. I'm like, and he actually tells the stand-up uh, in his in his stand-up what happened. He basically flipped out on the producers of the show, and they fucking canceled it. Ah, uh, yeah, that did do it. He's like, yeah, if you want to keep your show on the air, maybe don't fucking yell at the producers. That, that's what he said. That his words, not mine. I, I know, like, but we like, wondered like, what happened to it? And like, that's what happened to it. He's the nicest guy. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to know that it wasn't. It wasn't like problems with the content because it was a good show. It was show. a funny show. Yeah, it was funny. This is, I remember this one the hardest I my whole family have ever laughed at a TV show together. Oh, that's great. Right? Yeah. Brought us together. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Stacy Stacy Keach was the fucking. He was great. Yeah, he was. He was awesome. wonderful in him, but. Yeah, Billy Bob, I noticed he's smoking in the car. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah, that's that's a boss. That's move. why it feels like the '90s too. Smoking. A little bit, yeah. Well, smoking everywhere. And yeah, we get some ADR dialogue in here because it's raining out, and I'm sure getting live audio is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is where it comes to light that they have swindled someone out of $2 million and change. Yeah. That's a lot of money. He's asking, are we good? And he's like, yeah, I got the money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. the main takeaway here is that we have two very distinct personalities here. We have Billy Bob playing his fast talking asshole. He's very cool. What's like, his... he's, he's very cool about being. Sitting on $2 million of other people's money. What's his occupation in this? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I forgot. They, he doesn't do anything like... <clears throat> like he, he might be like an one of the franchise owners or something in one of the strip clubs or something. Because Cusack does like say you deal in, in like strippers and hand jobs or something. And Cusack is a lawyer, obviously. Yeah. And then Randy Quaid, no, uh, Mike Starr hurts people because <laughs> he's he's like rattling off all the players, but not entirely sure what his occupation is. But the main difference here is that Billy Bob is very comfortable. Mm. He's very cool, at least he appears to be. And Cusack is utterly neurotic and just unsettled. Well, he under, he understands he, the gravity of the situation. Yeah, he, he's squirming in his seat. He's not comfortable with things, but he did it. And later on, we learn like kind of how his mind works when it comes to making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Like he does, he's not a backwards-looking person, but in this moment, he's a little bit vulnerable. Um, and I, <laughs> I really like when uh, Billy Bob drops him off, I think, at the strip club. And he's... At home. At home. And there's a dispute over who's going to take the money. They didn't discuss that. Like, <laughs> yeah. we didn't discuss that, did we? Like, uh, do you want all this? I mean, I can, yeah. Like... Or, or you can hold on to it. I mean, they're just like, they don't know each other well enough. Like, if you and I were going to pull off a heist, we would have beforehand, like, what are we going to do with the money? Who's going to hold on to it? Well, it makes the most sense that I would hold on to it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they didn't have that conversation. They don't seem to know each other very well either. Uh, no. There's no, I don't, a- I don't think so. There's a lot of revelations that happen, especially later <clears throat> in the movie, where it's like, maybe what you maybe should have taken that into account before you 
went yeah. on this little adventure with Billy Bob. How did you guys get here? Yeah. And that, that's never actually really told us. All we know is that John Cusack thought of it, and Billy Bob Thornton was the one that put it into into action, I guess. Yeah. Um, not to completely grind things to a halt here, but um, it needs to be said, I, I got a very strong like Coen Brothers vibe out of this. Like Fargo is what I thought yeah. of when I thought of this entire thing. And that's funny, isn't Billy Bob on Fargo? He's on the show, yeah. Fargo. He wasn't yeah. in the movie. But the movie, you know, was a big fucking deal. And this this movie has that, that kind of vibe. Like small town heist movie or like small town going ons where it's like you have small town personalities getting in over their head or something Mm -hmm. and a lot of the dialogue and the concepts and stuff feel along the same vein major difference being coen brothers movies have like an extra layer of depth to them Mm -hmm. that this one doesn't and it makes it more approachable because of that like a coen brothers movie it's like you and i were talking before we started recording that there's certain movies you feel like you have to like they, you, you have to gear up for it. Yeah. Like, you got to sit down, you got to set aside two hours. It's like phone flipped upside down, not going to be messing with that. You're not crack, You're not like cracking open some Thai food and watching Selma or 12 exactly. Years a you're, Slave. Exactly. You're not like, going to be looking up and down from your plate watching that kind of shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> whereas this, you know, you could casually put this on and have a good time with it. Oh, let's get some Chinese food and watch Passion of the Christ. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all I'm getting at, though. Is that it's it bears some similarities to the, some of their projects, but it's not. I'm not saying it's a pale imitation. I'm just saying it's similar, similar kind of vibe, especially in the humor. Um, but <laughs> I did like that how they didn't bother to decide on who was going to handle the money. Yeah. And then uh, Billy Bob's last line to him before he walks away is, "Hey, hey Charlie." Act normal. <laughs> That's like, I mean, yeah, you should tell John Cusack that. At that point, yeah, he probably needed that. Um, and then John Cusack heads to the strip club. Yeah. Well, the first of many strip clubs. Yeah, that said, I actually have it. Uh, my second note is different strip club after this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he goes to the strip club, and it seems like he, is he a freak? Is he frequent, or does he own the place? A uh, little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he just frequents it. And because he's in bed with the mob guy, I think the he, mob guy they, he probably is a fixture <clears throat> there. I think that the mob guy must own the strip club. Randy Quaid, by the way, sorry, yes. spoiler. Yeah. Um, I think he owns the strip clubs, and because he's a lawyer, free drinks or he gets to. Do I'm sure he they wants. do a lot of meetings there and stuff. See, so I, he probably just hangs out there a lot. See, I, this really bugs me about Billy Bob Thornton because I think maybe Billy Bob Thornton owns the brothel and it's not associated with the strip club. I want to look up what his occupation is real quick. So uh, he's at this uh, strip club with, uh, well, by himself. Um, Connie Nielsen pops up here before long, but he's like having a back and forth with the um, with the bartender. And he's, get, this was interesting, she points it out later in the film, but he's like, he's having a, a rum and pineapple juice. He's like, do you want a beer? He's like, no, I'm gonna have a uh, rum and pineapple juice. Like, that was pretty funny. Yeah, I, I really like that. Um, <laughs> I like the the mop top guy rushing the stage when like the like the old veteran guy is like he, he's like tipping one of the strippers and this ugly guy with a he-man haircut tackles the guy but um the bartender is played mm. played by a gentleman by the name of Ned Bellamy yep. and I had to look his name up I'm sorry Ned um, he's one of those that guys. He's one of those that guys yeah. that my dad would always point out and say, who is that guy? He's great in this. He's great. He's very good. He's and funny. He's very protective of his strippers. Yes. He and takes his job. I, he's you a know very what? good bartender. 
This is this is the kind of guy you want working at a strip club. Fucking yay. He respects he respects the ladies and he's very protective of them. Yes. And the reason In why a good way. the reason why I wanted to look him up and learn his name, and I'll try my best to remember it, Ned. Ned. Uh, <laughs> is that he's popped up in so many places. <clears throat> he's in Edwood as uh, Ed Wood's girlfriend's chiropractor, who's, oh, who stands in for Bella Lugosi after he passes. I can't remember that. <laughs> He's in Seinfeld oh, as I'm the sure guy who is. goes through the bad breakup and uh, ends up going to the Jewish banquet dinner that uh, Frank Costanza puts on. And then he's also in Curb Your Enthusiasm, if I remember right. I wouldn't be surprised. So he's, he's, he's a familiar fucking face. So I'm, I'm surprised I didn't know his name until now. Um, but yeah, uh, Connie Nielsen shows up. And what is she wearing? Uh, it's it's provocative. I uh, mean, this is not workplace appropriate if you're in a white collar setting. I thought she was like so. I, I assume with uh, with like strip clubs are kind of similar to to drag shows. Like there's star. Uh, what what was Nathan Lane's persona in? Um, at the Birdcage, uh, Starina or something like that. You would know much better than me. I've I have, seen it I haven't seen times. it. I've only seen it one time. But I assume that at strip clubs, generally, there is the the star, the headliner. Yeah. And I thought that she was dressed like a stripper. I thought she was a stripper who was like the headliner, like the. That's what I got. The yeah. big timer. But I think she's actually the manager. Yeah, she's she's doing the books. Yeah. When we see her much later in the movie, so <clears throat> I don't think she's an on stage performer. I mean. She could be. <laughs> like we see other strippers in this movie. And yeah, she could strippers. easily just kick them to the side and yeah. you know earn all the tips. Tear the place down. Yeah, yeah, but um, there's there's a couple of strippers here that we cut away to. I think maybe just because Harold Ramis was impressed or something. Oh uh, yeah, these are real. These are real strippers. <laughs> these are definitely real strippers. Yeah. But yeah, there's a like a couple of cutaway shots. They're there for no reason other than to fill time. And it's like, I get why you picked that because. I don't know how that works. This is a tight 90, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it might even be less. Might even be That's like, an 86. It might be an 86 minute. It's like 86, 87 minutes. Um, but yeah, Cusack orders a rum and pineapple juice when Connie Nielsen's in the room. I think he's like high on himself a little bit because he, he just swindled two million dollars. I mean, I mean, more power to you, but that's not that much money. Again, it takes place in Wichita, Kansas, and it involves not too bright people <laughs> yeah that's, that's true um but yeah he's he's like ordering drinks for the stripper with the black eye and stuff and he he gets himself a drink that apparently he's never had before and uh he and connie nielsen whose character's name is renata by the way um they start to craft some sort of plan like on on the side yeah she, she wants him to do her a favor and this, he's more than willing because she's connie nielsen i'm glad you brought up femme fatale because this is a hundred percent she's playing him like a fiddle it it like it's almost campy like it it, it even feels like it like in uh, the scene no her her makeup her attire like the way she saunters into the room and but he's it, all too willing to do whatever the fuck she says it's so much so that it feels out of place a little bit yeah that is what i'm getting at i'm like especially it, since all the other characters in this movie are hideous older men yeah <laughs> she's like well john cusack i don't know about that and she has a like indefinable accent she is australian i think so uh, she's in Wonder Woman, I think, for a reason, because I believe that was filmed in Australia. Oh, because Lucy Lawless was busy? That pissed me off so much. Yeah. Like, how do you have Lucy Lawless not? I in, mean, that's oof, like, it doesn't oof. get easier than that. Like, you're casting for Wonder Woman? She's the Amazon, like, type. She's, she that, is th the Amazon Prime. Yes. <laughs> 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 I'm, 
Uh, I'm so gonna call her Amazon Prime now. <laughs> Uh, starring Amazon Prime. She's Danish. I'm like, I knew Con Nielsen was not American. Yeah, Nielsen's very Danish. Yeah. But, yeah, she, I mean, she kind of did the same thing in uh, Gladiator, where it's like, I don't know where you're from, but it's not here. No, it's not here. <laughs> um, it's like uh, heavyweights. It's like, where are you from, Lars? Far away. Far away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she has a indefinable accent actually they touch on it a little bit like at the very end of the movie where it's like where are you from originally i think it does come up uh she hiding an accent of some kind in the movie she's hiding an accent it's funky like it's it's just it stands out yeah Um, but it it just goes to show that like her character in general i think is meant to stand out Mm -hmm. it's like she's she's a weird one (laughs) among a sea of hideous men yeah (laughs) hideous large-headed men Oh, wait, that's just all of her just all of her <laughs> um, But yeah, she wants him to retrieve some sort of photo evidence. Yeah. Um, involving a councilman, presumably local. And he's all too willing to play into it. Um, I like uh, after their conversation's over and John Cusack takes a swig of his yeah. pineapple and it's rum. Gr- it's an awful drink. I-, I love his reaction. He just makes a face and says, that's fucking horrible. <laughs> give me a beer. Yeah. yeah, toss that and give me a beer. It's like, yeah, I mean, me who doesn't drink, just hearing that combination, I've been, ooh. Pineapple juice, which is super sugary, with rum, which is super sweet and sugary. That's all too... That's It's too, too much. It's like drinking a shot of molasses or something. <laughs> yeah it's not it's not good uh it's a really gross drink i can't believe he ordered that no i think he wasn't thinking i mean pretty lady walks into the room sometimes your words just go places Step, nah, nah. <laughs> uh, bingo english would be a second language snarf snarf <laughs> what beer <laughs> don't explain it <laughs> just give it to me so, I have yeah, money. So yeah, he goes to take a piss, and uh, I was going to ask you, I'm glad you wrote it down, because uh, it comes, I figured I would remember it hmm? at this point, but... There's uh, repetitions, yeah. you would think. Um, he reads something, it says, as Wichita falls, so falls Wichita falls. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is a phrase that gets repeated <clears throat> from beginning to end in this entire movie. It's a nice little ditty. Yeah. I, I don't know what it means, but... It's it's nice if it's to quote George Lucas. It's like it's like music and rhymes, <laughs> um, and it comes up all throughout the movie. In fact, in a couple minutes, <clears throat> it comes up again uh, because Mike Starr shows up. Yeah, mental, uh, mental from Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Ed Wood. He has a very oh, yes. he has a very small role in Ed Wood. I he's, do remember he's his great in Ed Wood. <laughs> uh, Mike Starr is wonderful. Uh, he's always entertaining very large gentleman with a very large voice and i think that's largely why he was hired because he's mostly a vocal performance in this movie i was about to say like, and you can recognize him through a trunk yeah <laughs> uh he is in funny farm as one of the movers that's right oh my gosh i haven't seen that since i was like 12 we stepped outside with the with the wolves and the wild animals <laughs> with his like philadelphia accent oh mike Starr's great i was so happy to see him but i felt he was underutilized and this yeah. I think it was just right. I think they... Just, just sprinkle a star? What he does is, like, he's... His point was was that one scene, like, that one sequence. I'm like, that worked out well. And it worked out well because it was him. And he has some good lines from the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> Even when he gets out of the trunk, it's still pretty funny. Yeah, but we get introduced to Mike Starr from behind. 
we don't see his face. He's in shadow even when he faces the camera in this scene. So we don't see his face until like an hour from now. Well, here's the thing. When John Cusack first goes into the strip club, he's like, is anybody looking for me? Mm-hmm. Is anybody looking for me? And like, why would anybody be looking for you? And he's like, I don't know, just checking. And it's like, oh, look at that. And now the guy <laughs> that he's wondering if he's going to be looking for him is like, is he around here? Like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, so Mike Starr is looking for him. He's got a trench coat and a hat and everything. He looks sinister. Yeah. He's also like 6'3". He's, yeah, he's Luca Brasi, basically. Yeah, he's, he's a very large gentleman accent for you yeah. <laughs> um and then we get a fun little bit of comedy here where he talks to ned the bartender and ned covers for for charlie they all co- cover yeah for everybody him. covers for charlie and and the closing line of the movie basically like you're one of the nicest people i know like maybe that's kind of true in his daily life um but yeah ned covers for him says hey uh, mike star i don't know where charlie's at and uh mike star heads to the, to the urinal and just like just like John Cusack had just done, he reads the yeah. as Wichita Falls that's line. That's fucking stupid. That's fucking stupid. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. That's pretty good. But his character's name is Roy, by the way. Yeah. And it's apparent that Roy is not someone you want to run afoul of. No. Um, and Cusack is kind of losing it. He slips out of the restroom behind Mike Starr. Goes to another strip club. Oh, not before slipping in the fucking ice and breaking his phone. Oh, yeah, he breaks his flip phone. <laughs> and then, Kyle, confirm this for me if you can. The cop. Is he the guy from the Sonic commercials? Correct, yes. He's also he's also in a movie with Kevin... Uh, it's, it's a quick... I think it's a Kevin Hart movie or with Will. Fr- I think it's the Get Hard movie. Oh, I I've can only, see that. That's the I only other that. movie role I've seen him in. He's awful in that. I don't like him. I, there, he's yeah he's I don't think he's likeable. funny I don't like him in this I don't like him in the Sonic commercials just in general it's funny um, the guy that plays the senator in this is in Veep he plays uh, Selena Julia Louis Dreyfus's ex husband who's a slime ball uh, is that a slur no okay uh, no. just making sure <laughs> God no um, he's a yeah, he's a piece of shit in that show but the guy who plays opposite of this dork in the Sonic commercials the guy with the the frizzier hair yeah. He is in Veep, and he is fucking hilarious. Okay. Oh, uh, the guy with the frizzy hair doesn't have any lines in this movie. No, really. <laughs> um, the, but the, the guy, the, yeah, yeah, he's not in this movie at all. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, the the guy from the <clears throat> Sonic commercials, the annoying guy from the Sonic commercials, plays a cop who hassles John Cusack throughout this entire movie uh, yeah. for virtually no reason. It's just it's just coincidence. I, I think Wichita is like not a huge place but the way they make it seem is like really small town yeah it seems like he has nothing better to do um it's just coincidence that they keep like meeting up yeah i thought it was gonna have a payoff but it almost does almost does um but that may have been the point Mm -hmm. it's like it plants the seeds for something you're expecting and then snatches it away from you at the very last second um it's it's kind of cute uh, but yeah, uh, John Cusack gets pulled over, and the Sonic guy, the cop, uh, notes that he has an open flask. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's soaking wet because he just fell on his ass in the ice. And it's pretty obvious there's something up, but the cop like readily notices all of this and lets him go anyway. But there's re- a lot of repetition of him telling John Cusack to remember him. He's like, he taps his name tag, Tyler. And he's he keeps asking... John Cusack to put him in good with the mob, basically. So maybe he's like strong arming him a little, like not strong arming him, but like almost like a pathetic kid. Like, can I come yeah. over? Can I come over? <laughs> like, can I hang out with you guys? <laughs> like, he wants to be in on it or something. I mean, it must pay well. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, point being, this cop 
clearly notices that John Cusack is breaking the law and does nothing about it. Uh, yeah, drinking, drinking while driving, uh, all that jazz. Uh, but yeah, uh, he goes to another strip club. This is a boozy movie. Uh, very, very boozy. Extremely so. Actually, because of my throat thing, I'm going to have a few hot toddies tonight. I kind of want to watch this again just so I have somebody to drink with while I'm watching it. I mean, this movie all takes place in one night? Yeah. And, uh, and, and we are drinking. Like 12, it takes place in 12 hours, I think. And we are drinking yeah. from beginning to end. So while while Charlie is in this second strip club, uh, he, he just casually goes into the back and opens a vault and he retrieves the photo that uh, Connie Nielsen had asked him to get for her. Um, and it is, it's a photo of a councilman uh, doing the deed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's evidence of some sort. Not sure what the intention is. Hopefully not blackmail. Probably blackmail. <laughs> this guy reminds me if, if like Anthony Weiner, uh, or Anthony Weiner, whatever it is, uh, and Adrian Brody uh, became one person. Absolutely. Or you could even just say he's a B Adrian Brody. No, I'm actually surprised that they didn't use him in that way. You say he was on Veep. Like, yeah. I'm, if I looked at his face and you know looked at the headlines, it'd be like, yeah. let's let's do that with him yeah right i mean really uh low-hanging fruit but uh cusack having broken his phone after slipping in the ice uh he goes to a restaurant to meet up with billy bob and billy bob's like this is i i I like this scene this this whole this whole sequence in the restaurant is great because it makes sense it's like maybe we shouldn't be fucking seen with each other yeah (laughs) (laughs) and billy bob's just like not like he just does not want him there at all and i love his body language just like fuck are you doing yeah he's in a booth <clears throat> by, by himself, himself in a very fancy restaurant by himself by himself by himself and a nice and then probably the nicest restaurant in wichita yeah um <laughs> i'm gonna walk us through this scene because this is a lot of fun so yeah he tells him why he's not like why he's there he's like listen my phone broke and then the waiter comes up like he knows him by name too i think he's like can i get you something yeah we'll give you the, give, give him some whiskey and uh, i think he's getting the check at the same time like he's getting the fuck out of there um and he's like, dude, uh, they're looking for me right now. Like, uh, maybe, are you sure there's nothing wrong? He's like, dude, they're not fucking looking for you. They have no idea. And I love the dynamic between the two is because John Cusack is being like, yeah, I think we might be in trouble here. And then there's the fucking overly confident or somebody who has a B plan in their back pocket. Like, don't fucking worry about it. Like, <laughs> God damn it. Worry about it. <laughs> but uh, he ends up leaving. And the, uh, as like Billy Bob Thornton is leaving, and he's like trying to get away from John Cusack, and this waiter's like, "Excuse me, excuse me, sir. Uh, you're you're friends with this guy, right? Uh, he's kind of being drunk and disorderly, and we we need you to like get him out of here." And I love how they they again know him by first name, Charlie. You, you know this guy, but yeah, yeah. They did some cool stuff with the the filmmaking here because oh. I noticed like a handful of just random shots of people like looking over their shoulder, like noticing that Charlie's there. So they don't come over and say hi or anything, but it's just, it's it adds to the tension on John, on John Cusack's part, where it's like, oh shit, he's right. Like all these people know me. They and know they, who and he they is. know where I am. So it's like, oh shit, al- alibi and motive and stuff. It's all right. It's all yeah, like, literally right like here. Any one of these people could implicate me if 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 it does hit the fan. Yeah. Um, and this is where the line where I I did say I wrote this down. I didn't remember it verbatim, but. Um, John Cusack tells, uh, by the way, uh, Billy Bob's character's name is Victor. Vic, uh, he yeah. tells him, I sue people, you sell them pornography, Roy hurts people. Yeah. And he's basically laying out that, 
you know, I'm a lawyer, you're a pornographer. By the way, the guy who's looking for me, he's a professional thumbbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I don't want to run afoul of him. Um, during their conversation, Vic gets a suspicious as fuck phone call from his quote unquote wife. Oh, this is when you really hit home how much of an asshole he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he has a tone, and it's like, that didn't sound like a call from your wife. <laughs> no. Not at all. But th- thanks for, you know, being honest in front of me after we both stole $2 million, and you can tell I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Kyle, who who is the gentleman who's causing a ruckus in the back room that might need some assistance getting home? I was so excited when he popped up, because I completely forgot this was one of the reasons why I wanted to watch the movie, because he was in it. <laughs> and when he popped up, I'm like, fucking over Platt! <laughs> Oliver Platt is the drunk guy in the other room, and I love how how he's related to John Cusack, Charlie, in this. Yeah. So he comes up to him, and again, six foot four, <laughs> giant head Oliver Platt is shit house. Now I was gonna tell you, <clears throat> I have been Charlie in these situations. I have been this like the less, much less drunker person while you have. A belligerently way drunker person uh, <laughs> attached to your hip. You're like, God. And he's doing a really good job of like, why don't you try to keep it down a little bit? Keep it down. Yeah. Um, he is sexually harassing uh, this bartender, uh, both this time and coming oh, up yeah, later. Pretty much till the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, but apparently he married John Cusack, a Charlie's ex-wife. Yes. And uh, we find out a little bit later, too. He comes clean. He's like... So you know that that year before your divorce, <laughs> we were fucking. <laughs> no, he does that multiple times in this movie where he he you can tell he knows he done wrong, but he's he's just never being punished for it. So I guess he just keeps yeah. drinking and dealing with it. <laughs> he's never punished for it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a terrible person and he knows it, and you can tell he's guilty about it, but nobody ever does anything about yeah. it. So he just keeps carrying on. <laughs> We were fucking. <laughs> it's just funny how we tell we them. Fucking. We were fucking. And he lists off all the places they were fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and he even pre- he even prefaces things with, and you'll probably want to punch me. Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't. Yeah, so he, he's like uh, giving him a ride home. Um, no, ride back to a house, which is not his home. Uh, he gives him a ride to his in-laws. Uh, they are at the um, the wife's parents' house. Yeah, right before we hop in the car, the uh, Anthony Weiner shows up and corners Cusack and is like, "Hey, so I'm looking for this uh, photo. Uh, if you know where I can find it, yeah, uh, there's like some money in it for you. Wink, wink. Yeah, all, all <laughs> like we're not explicitly stating it, but we're all yeah." Yeah, we we know what's happening. And Cusack's like, yeah, I have a feeling, you know, the photo's probably not too far from here. <laughs> it's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, and yeah, that's the end of Anthony Weiner. But yeah, we, we, fuck, we drive to the house, and this is this is where the <laughs> she and I were fucking. She and I were fucking <laughs> on the kitchen table in your bed in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird that she would cheat on John Cusack with. with- uh, Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt. But he's a salesman of some kind some type. Oh. Like he, he had a good Q four, apparently. Like Oh, I mean one of his lines when we're in the bar is uh, Cusack asks him, like, what have you been up to? And he's like, drawing lots of billings, making a fucking fortune. Yeah. <laughs> like very casually. He's doing very he's well. He's doing very well for himself. Um clearly he's got some issues, but they're not financial. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's a lovely suburban home. Uh it's like a it's basically a fucking mansion. It's pretty big. It's fucking gorgeous. 
Still probably only costs like 50000 in Wichita. Wichita. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, we go in and Oliver Platt basically kicks, <clears throat> kicks the door open. And oh, he, yeah. he comes in like a like a house on fire, just like, yo, ho, ho, Merry fucking Christmas. And oh, by the way, there are two children in the room. Oh, and it is a very, very proper, like, Christmas oh, this is This Eve is the dinner. waspiest Christmas dinner you can imagine. This looks awful. I've never had one of these. Um, it's a very rich person dinner. Oh, yeah. Um, these people don't hug each other. No, no, don't touch the sweater. <laughs> yeah, there's not a hair out of place. Um, I believe Sarah Beth is the wife's name. That sounds like a bitch. Yeah, big time. Yeah, uh, yeah. She is. She's a blonde. She's a bombshell. She says exactly. No. She says exactly one, one word. Line. Okay, I thought she had no. Yeah, lines. She says exactly one line in this entire movie. But uh, actress was very well cast because she looks the part. Yeah. And and even um, the framing and the body language, she is never within arm's reach of any of the principal players in the movie. And she's like unaffected by. She it. doesn't even stand up. No, like she's just sitting at the table as far away as possible from both both her ex husband and her husband. I think that uh, I mean, as a mob lawyer, I don't know what that pays. I don't know how lucrative that is. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's got its perks. But financially speaking, I don't feel like it's very lucrative. Uh, <clears throat> I would imagine it depends, but Kansas mob, I don't think is the same as New York mob. A New York mob? <laughs> I, that A mob lawyer. I mean, geez. Like, that's uh, okay, bro. Like... <laughs> That that I mean that's a decision that you can't you can't take back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you're in it now, dude. Yeah, um, some some of the best moments in this movie happen in this scene though. Um, there's the most uncomfortable scene, which is where Oliver Platt is yelling at is at Grandpappy as he's leaving the room. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. He's yelling about how he paid for his hip surgery, and it's like I know you don't approve of me as a human being, but guess who paid for your fucking hip surgery? I paid for your hip surgery. I paid your mortgage <laughs> while you were out of work for six months. Uh, yeah, I think the reason why his wife left John Cusack, well, obviously because he's a bummer, uh, but probably the money aspect. She looks like she comes from a little bit of money. I hope so. And uh, Oliver Platt, if he's doing as well as he says, she's just marrying into more money. I mean, yeah, yeah it seems like he takes care of that <clears throat> end of the bargain. Yeah. Um, but the very best thing in this whole movie, I thought, was Oliver Platt laying into the turkey with his gloved hands. Yeah, he still has gloves on. It takes him some effort. To, yeah, like it, it's not <laughs> like a yank. He doesn't take this leg off with a single pull. He's like cranking yeah. it like it's a fucking water pump. It's great. And they yanks it off, and he starts just putting it into his face like he's in a fucking Robin Hood movie, and he's Little John or some shit. And he doesn't let go of this <laughs> for the entirety of the scene. He's, he carried, I think he's at the staircase still With holding the, the, the leg. Yeah. And it's all greasy and it's going everywhere. And then there's some really uncomfortable moments with Cusack and his kids. His son hates Oh, him. his son hates his him. Son oh, hates it actually, him. this was actually good because the daughter going up to hug him, it was like kind of sad. Yeah, because she obviously loves him. But there's, I've, I've been curious about this. Like, how people can have like a bad relationship with their kids because of the relationship with the person they had the kids with. Oh. Like I'm sure he hates this like he hates his ex-wife. Hates her with like a deep passion. And you see bits and pieces of like the personalities of each parent and the kids. And I'm wondering if there's like a like I really hate her and I really don't like you guys because you're a part of her. I don't I, know. I mean 
I wouldn't be surprised. There is a line of dialogue in like in a couple of minutes here where he he does basically say like he wants a clean break mm-hmm. just because he thinks actually it would be beneficial like for the kid. Yeah. Oliver yeah. Platt disagrees, but then again, Oliver Platt doesn't strike me as a very good parent. <laughs> At least no. not his character. In real yeah. life, I'm sure he'd be a great dad. great provider. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great provider, not good parent. No. Um. But but yeah, we uh we make our exit after the son starts. Not cussing John Cusack out, but he's vicious. Yeah. He, he basically, he does say he hates him. Yeah. And, and you can tell he's supposed to mean it. Um, but they make their exit, and I love that Oliver Platt still has the turkey leg, and then he throws it at the window. Yeah, that was a good move. And the, the sound effect of the boom. Yeah. And then he runs. Yeah. He, uh, he runs away like a child. And we have a heart-to-heart in the car at the long... It's funny because I I wanted to call it the longest stoplight ever, but then Oliver Platt has a line about that. I was like, Are you oh. ever gonna you gonna sit through another one of these fucking stoplights? Yeah. <laughs> like how many of these stoplights are you gonna sit through? <laughs> That's pretty funny. But I like the exchange here. It's it there's a style of writing that you know uh, again referencing Cohen Brothers. Actually, I haven't confirmed this, but I feel like it's actually like maybe a Jewish oral tradition kind of thing, where it's non sequiturs. Like, like the best example that comes to mind immediately is the Goy's teeth in mm-hmm. Serious Man. Yeah. Where it's like, here's a story. If you get something from it, cool. If not, I told you a story. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you And yeah. you see that, I think, in, in a lot of stories of that nature. And The that's, Colt that, Brothers, uh, Tommy Lee Jones' story at the end of the No Country for Old Men. Kind of similar. Yeah. Although that's a Cormac McCarthy story, so maybe not so much their maybe. thing. But I, I don't know. Um point i'm trying to make here is that john cusack has a story about his dad his dad being a twin oh yeah i love and this. his dad is like a goody goody he's a cop he died at 54 which is not too old no uh, he died of an embolism and the next day his shithead twin brother who is apparently the complete opposite of him died in a car wreck in california and he was like a degenerate gambler or something and the whole point of the story and it's not even a good point <laughs> is, is that like this is Knowing this is why I, I live my life with no regrets because anything can happen anytime. Like you can live your life as a as a angelic, you know, on the side of good person, or you can be a degenerate gambler. Either way, you might just die whenever the fuck. Yeah. For whatever fucking reason. And really, it feels like that kind of story where Oliver Platt's reaction feels very genuine, where it's like, "What the fuck was the point of that?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm super drunk, and I even I can tell that that was pointless. <laughs> Well, he's like, do you feel like so you so you follow your uncle and he's like, shut up, like he's still trying to tell the story or something. But yeah, he's uh, like, shut up and let me finish the story. <laughs> uh, he says uh, his uncle didn't vote because he didn't want to encourage the bastards. I thought that was so fucking funny. <laughs> it was great. But yeah, they drive off and Oliver Platt wants one more drink. One more drink. So yeah, they go to this restaurant that's closing and they're like, no, 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 we're closing, guys. And like it's fine, it's fine. We just want one more drink. Absolutely not. If you're, this is the biggest dickhead move as far as on fucking Christmas. Like, jeez, you better be tipping like fifty dollars, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's very nice. She's so nice. So nice. And uh, Alfred Platt's like hitting on her in front of her boyfriend, who's there to like pick her up or yeah. leave with her, and he is being very uncomfortable. <laughs> It's it's awkward. Like, yeah, he's 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 making a hard pass on her, and uh, he's like actually making eye contact with the boyfriend yeah. while he's doing. It. Yeah, so he's egging him on. He knows what he's doing. He's being a complete asshole. <laughs> um, but we we cut back to. Uh, by the way, the name of the strip club is the Sweet Cage, where uh, Ned works, and John Cusack periodically is checking in because he wants to know 
is Mike Starr coming for? No, actually, he's waiting for Connie Nielsen to get back. Yeah, because he want, he has the photo now and he wants to give it to her. Um, but yeah, Oliver Platt is very aggressive. And how does the scene end, Kyle? Uh, it <laughs> ends with Oliver Platt being drug out by his ankles, more or less. Yeah, he is practicing uh, nonviolent resistance. Yeah. And uh, he is dragged out, his pants come off, his belt breaks. He just loses that belt. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, his pants come off, so we get to see his undies. And then he gets kicked in the nuts. <laughs> he had that coming. And even John Cusack's like, that's fair. Yeah, John Cusack has no reaction to any of it. He's, yeah. In fact, he's just like trying to stand out of the way. Like yeah. He's trying to make room for this this guy, this boyfriend, dragging him out. He made his bed. He also doesn't want to get in any trouble. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't want any trouble. <clears throat> By the way, he's been in a Jackie Chan movie. Dragon Blade. Oh, gosh. Adrian Brody. That's the funniest <laughs> cover of a movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I wanna... John Cusack is a Roman centurion. Oh, I want to watch that so bad. And it I think awful. Adrian Brody is like a Persian. Oh, God. And uh, Jackie Chan is Jackie Chan. I feel like we should watch that. <laughs> oh, no. I haven't even bothered, but I, I mean, it's, it's a nice bit of trivia. John Cusack has been in a Jackie Chan movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, he gets kicked in the nuts and immediately makes a beeline for the car but before getting in, he goes down on his hands and knees. And pukes right in the floorboard. Yeah, he, he yaks in the passenger seat something fierce. It's pretty bad. Yeah, they, uh... <laughs> and then the cops pull up on John Cusack. So they've pulled over at this point. And Oliver yeah. Platt is complaining. He, he, has a, he has some concerns in the car. Because he, he hasn't bothered to hike his pants up, by the way. Oh, yeah, they're still down. Yeah, they're still at his knees. And he's feeling around, and he can't find one of his... Balls. balls. <laughs> and he's very concerned. Yeah. So they pull over. John Cusack is a nice guy, even though this guy's stooping his his ex-wife. Yeah. Um, and he starts doing like a Heimlich maneuver on him uh, to try to... He's saying like, jerk me up and down so my balls will fall out of me, back down where they belong. Yeah. <laughs> and then the cops show up. And it's, it's kind of a nothing little scene, because uh, the cops do nothing. But, you know, it's just a fun bit of comedy where... It's fun physical comedy. Yeah. Um, I also like that uh, John Cusack wakes him up when they get to his house. Yeah. So, Oliver Platt is passed out. He he found his second ball, so he's okay now. He's good. But, but he, he he's passed out in the car, and his face is plastered up against the passenger window. He just rolls down. And he just rolls down. That's a good way to do it, yeah. Yeah, and his head, like, bobs oh. for a second. He's, oh, I'm oh. <laughs> I was like, that's such a dick move. <laughs> but very effective. You don't even have to say anything. Oh, um, Just hit the button. <laughs> no, um, I think this is where, uh, does he get him back to the house and like drops him off? Has yeah. another drink. Uh, and then he calls the first bar, I think, to check in. The, the, fir- the first strip club to check in again. Yeah, he actually heads over there. Mm. Um, so Oliver Platt passes out. And by the way, Oliver <clears throat> Platt's house... Formerly John Cusack's house, yeah, um, is a like ultra modern nightmare. Yeah, like, <laughs> it it looks like it looks awful. It brings to mind like one hour photo, like Ooh, like the Walmart yeah, in one hour yeah, photo. It's I very remember. sterile, very white. I know what you mean. Um, and they have like a Christmas tree. It's one of those shitty like pure oh, pure like white ones. Yeah, it's like white and silver. It's not there's not trace of green on it. I always hated that in uh, Goodfellas. That's oh. one of the. Th- I hate the way they decorated their house after that. Oh, I hated it so much. Yeah, there's not a, there's a lot of gaudy, ugly decorations oh, God, in that movie, it's but awful. it's intentional because it's like, it's what happens when people who don't have taste get money. Oof, oh, <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's not good to look at. But, um, I like that he writes on a whiteboard with a 
with a red pen like it's like hey i took i took your wife's mercedes for some reason there's puke in my car (laughs) it's a good move (laughs) it's very catty but i like it but yeah he takes he takes his wife's mercedes just seemingly out of spite i think he does it because if somebody's looking for him they know what his car looks like plus there's puke in his but yeah yeah. no it, it makes sense he's covering his tracks a little bit uh but yeah he heads back to the sweet cage and uh, right when he pulls up is when uh, Sydney, uh, aka Ned, the bartender, is breaking a poor oh, fellow's fingers. Oh, I love fingers. this. Yes. So uh, this... he said he was gonna do it. Yeah. He said he was gonna do it. Well, I mentioned he calls him on the phone again. He's like, that fucking dude who was here that gave the girl the black eyes back, and he's like, I gotta fuck. Like, I'm gonna keep an eye on him, but I might yeah, have to take care anything. of this. He does anything. He says, I'm going to break his finger. And then when they come, <laughs> then after he gets off the phone with them, we come back to him coming up there. He is breaking this guy's finger. It's great. <laughs> no, he, he, he banes him. He, he says what he means, and he does what he says. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like that the uh, the stripper just kind of like mentions to Charlie. He's like, oh, this is this is ugly mop top guy. Yeah. We're getting married. <laughs> it's like, do you know him? <laughs> Apparently they went to high school together and had two classes together. Do you remember in True Romance where she's having the conversation with uh, the tattoo artist? Mm-hmm. He's like, "What?" He's like, "What is a Drexel?" And he's like, "Drexel's my old pimp." And the tattoo artist is just like, "All right, you guys are getting your names tattooed on each other. You're getting married, and you had a pimp named Drexel." Like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> it's, all right. Good luck with that, kids. <laughs> you know what? I think you guys are gonna make it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, John Cusack meets up with Renata uh, Connie Nielsen. Connie Nielsen. And he hands over the photo, and uh, they get a little bit cozy. Uh, she's again, toweling. Yeah, my my suspicion was that she's up to something. Yeah, like, like there's something going on here. She's Jessica Rabbiting. Yeah, very much so. And uh, there's a very nice uh, economic line of decalogue, dialogue here, where it's um, he tells her, "I've always liked you," and she just very calmly replies, "I've noticed." Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that's all you need to know about that dynamic. Yeah, is that. He has desires, and she knows he has desires. Yes, you know, and can therefore be easily manipulated. <laughs> I just wrote, I just wrote in all caps, dangerous. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, but she tells him that uh, Victor called yeah. her for some fucking reason. We don't know why, and told told her to tell him that Mike Starr is in fact looking for them. Mm. So that's been confirmed. And uh, Vic wants to meet Charlie at the Velvet Touch, uh, which is, what, a brothel? Oh, it's a brothel. Big uh, time, yeah. yeah <laughs> Charlie gets into the brothel, and he's looking for him, and he's like, going back here, and there's somebody having sex in the back. And you go by all the disgusting-looking rooms. Oh, mm, it's so mm. gross. Very depressing. Oh, uh, he's, like, going back there, and I'm like, who, what, like... What could it possibly be? Like, who could he be having sex with? It's porn. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it might be porn, but I'm like, it sounds like it's happening inside the inside. Yeah, the yeah. It's a suspenseful scene where he's like walking down the hallway and opening doors and looking for Vic and bangs on the door where he thinks the the sex noises are coming from. <clears throat> oh wait, it's a tape. Yeah. But then he heads into the back room and he finds a thumb. Yeah. In a vice grip. Yeah. And then he runs the fuck out. Yeah, of he there. gets out of there. <laughs> and he drives in the rain. Pukes and off a bridge. He pukes off a bridge. And then uh, the cop rolls up again. Sonic guy. Um, and he notes that Charlie is now driving a different car. Also, this is a fun little fun little detail. Um, Charlie is surprised by the cop's arrival and like whips his head around and hits it on a traffic sign. Yeah. And he gets a little cut in the top of his head. And it's not the first 
and it's the first but not the last injury he'll suffer in this movie and it, it seems like a, a theme of some sort where it's like throughout the movie like his his i don't know his his scars or his lessons learned appear on his body in some fashion mm-hmm. where he gets like he gets cuts and gashes all over him where it's like might want to consider where those came from like what what did you do yeah. that caused you to get those it's like maybe don't do that anymore <laughs> um but yeah uh charlie rolls up to victor's house um and he, he it's funny because he like parks there and it just so happens the timing was apparently perfect he sees a flash and hears a gunshot from, yeah from like the living room it's like oh good timing he's like fuck and he calls connie nilson like dude like vic's dead like yeah they got to him yeah he he calls her and he confesses to everything like unprompted he just says oh by the way i stole a whole bunch of money from mr gerard who is the mob boss and she's like oh yeah (laughs) this this is where like in retrospect like oh okay well i mean one of the things that like made it very clear that she's up to no good is that uh he he tells her that like he suspects that mike Starr is in there and he's he probably killed vic and she's like Go do something about it. Yeah. And he's like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, have you seen Mike Starr? He's fucking, he's, he's a big guy. Did, did you see the Godfather? <laughs> he's a big guy. He's, he's a, got a gun too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she encourages him to go fight him. <laughs> it's like, what? Okay. And he's confirmed that he's on the premises too. Cause he like, just, I was actually really surprised. Like he, he's very bold. He, he slips into a car that's parked nearby and fiddles around in the glove box and finds Mike Starr's wallet. Yeah. And I was like, damn, you're breaking into people's cars? Like, it, it wasn't locked or anything, but just to think to do that. If like, somebody just died. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be snooping in someone else's car. Like, no. get caught doing that? <laughs> Fuck. No. Um, and there's a very Cusackian line here. Um, it felt like maybe it was improvised or something, but he's still on the phone with Connie Nielsen, and he, he she's about to hang up. He just says, I just want to ask you one thing. She's like, what? <laughs> I didn't have anything specific planned. Sorry. <laughs> and then she hangs up on him. I was like, yeah, that seems like a Cusack move. Cusackian. Like, it's like, oh, don't waste my motherfucking time. <laughs> um, but yeah, he enters the house with a tire iron. So I guess he's resolute in fighting the, the gigantic man-beast that is Mike Starr. Uh, and he finds a dead old lady named Gladys. Yeah. Dead. Billy Bob Thornton's wife, who he hates. Yeah. Um, he has a line, something along the lines of, like... She's on the Subway diet. She eats two Subway sandwiches and doesn't exercise. Like, it's really mean. Yeah. It, and then he, like, throws a little throws a little extra on there. It's like, I, I think Roy, like, overestimated the strength of our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, my emotional investment in her. There's, like, a little bit of a jump here. Like, Billy Bob Thorne's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, yeah. like I think he overestimated our... <laughs> He's like, yeah, he he thought that would hurt me or, or, you know, elicit some sort of emotional reaction. It's like, nah. (laughs) It's so bad for Gladys in this movie. I feel terrible. Yeah. I mean, nobody likes to see an older woman get, you know, the shit end of the stick. I want to know how he does this, but Billy Bob Thornton has Roy in in a trunk. In the car. Or in that the trunk is far too small. There's no way you could There's fit him There's no in. way you could fit that much dude in that trunk. And, and I don't even know if he says how he gets him in there, but he gets him in this trunk. He doesn't say anything. Like, and that actually adds to the comedy. It's yeah. Like, how? <laughs> so the plan is like, all right, we're going to get him into the car, and we're going to go dump him in a fucking lake. Yeah. 
Um, but he's still alive. He's still alive. In he's it. talking. Yeah, he's, through the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. And, like, Charlie, Charlie's like, yeah, I think I think I heard that. Yeah. He's like, you think I'm gonna help you now that you tell me you're yeah. gonna kill me? And he's like, I take that back. I take it back. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. There's a there's a, some product placement here for Mercedes. Uh, they try to get him into a Buick or something like that. He's Lincoln. Like, Lincoln. He's like, it's not gonna fit in the fucking Lincoln, and there's no way it's gonna fit into your fucking Mercedes. It's like it's surprisingly spacious. <clears throat> it, it's surprisingly <laughs> spacious, and they're able to fit it in there. He's like, well, goddamn, you're right. It does get and in there. It's like, wow, you're you're not lying, Charlie. That- yeah. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, this thing is really special. <laughs> this whole sequence is fun. It takes a little while in the garage. Oh, it, but... It's fun. I like that um, Billy Bob gets too close to the trunk and a couple of rounds come out of it. So Mike Starr has his gun like pointed upwards and he shoots at him. But then at one point, they, they want him to shut up. Mm. Billy Bob's getting it's getting on his nerves. Mike Starr won't shut the fuck up. And he grabs a golf club and he starts wailing on this thing. Just mm. crack. Crack, crack, shut the fuck up. And then he slips. He slips and falls. He yeah. slips and he falls on his ass. And I was I was howling at that because it's like funny. I don't know if that was planned. I it might not have been. It might not have been. It makes it better. But it makes it better. But yeah, they get him in there. I like the the car exchange. Like they have him in the back, they're going to this lake, and he's like, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'm gonna shoot you. And he says something else and I love that he, he says, I'm going to shoot. <clears throat> I'm going to shoot this trunk from both ends because, frankly, I don't remember which end your head's at. <laughs> um, I actually really like this scene in the car because it's very tense. And Mike Starr is... Everything he's saying, he's he's um, Charlie's subconscious. Like, he, he is saying all the things yeah. that he's thinking. And we, the viewer, are thinking. Mm-hmm. And it, it's great. It's, it's like... Well, it doesn't seem like John Cusack was thinking it until he puts them in her head. We're thinking it, obviously. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I don't. I don't think it occurred to Charlie at this point until uh, he's until he mentions it. He's yeah. like, yeah. He's like, what do you think is gonna happen when this is over? With do you think that you and both of you were leaving this lake? He's like, he's gonna fucking kill you. Yeah. R- Roy from the trunk is saying <clears throat> like he throws out there. It's like, yeah. Um, I didn't shoot Gladys, by the way. It, mm. it was Vic. Yeah. And it's like, and you know. He's taking us out to a lake. What's who's to say that he won't kick you in that lake too? And it's like he still has the gun. Like everything that Roy's saying makes perfect fucking sense. Yeah. <laughs> and at one point, uh, Vic, perhaps getting wise to the fact that he is speaking too many truthisms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he just turns around and shoots into the trunk, and then there's silence. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we also learned that the thumb belongs to Roy, and uh, Cusack hands it over, and Vic just tosses out the window. I, for some reason, I thought that was going to come back later. Yeah. Like a dog was going to show up with it in its mouth or something, and it was going to implicate someone. Um, but this movie's actually very brisk. Yeah, like it's We're very actually brisk. almost towards the end, to be honest. Yeah, we're almost done. Um, but yeah, they arrive at the frozen lake, and I did like that uh, Billy Bob actually does remark, it's kind of beautiful. Because yeah, it is. It is. Like, it's a really beautiful, like, haunting. Haunting, yeah. yeah. It's a hauntingly beautiful frozen lake. <clears throat> and they have this lovely overhead shot of, like, a dock. And the plan here is, yeah, we got Gladys in the trunk. Uh, we got Mike Starr in a, in a trunk. <laughs> and we're going to throw them both in the lake. And we have this really tense sequence where we're, we're dragging this trunk on a, on a dock that's obviously rickety and not doing well. No. It's not meant to support that much weight. I mean, fucking, he, he weighs like 
270 pounds probably. He's a big guy. He's a big dude. And you got the weight of the footwalker, and you got Billy Bob, and well, you got Cusack. Billy Bob weighs about as much as me. He weighs like 160 pounds. Yeah. He's, he's not a big guy. He's not a big dude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the three of them are all out there, and at one point, um, Billy Bob tells... Oh yeah, by the way, Billy Bob, for no apparent reason, has the handgun... On John Cusack, yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's, pull, he's pulling, and I like how John Cusack actually notices that the trunk is unhinged at one one of the latches that's undone mm-hmm. so he's like gambling that that's going to help him in some way so he he's supposed to be pulling but he's like i think i want to push mm-hmm. so he switches places with billy bob but billy bob is pulling with one hand yeah and then uh, at one point billy bob asks him to like stand the trunk up because they're just going to kick it over and sure enough as soon as they stand it up bang mike star is not dead <laughs> He fires directly into Billy Bob's torso, and some some of the dialogue here is really funny. It's a liver shot, by the way. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's bleeding black. If I see somebody get shot on that like that side, on their bottom like bottom right side, I'm like that's a liver shot. You're done. Well, I mean the the tell is supposed to be the the blood is like black mm. because of all the nutrients and shit in there. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Billy Bob's line immediately after being shot, like he doesn't react, he just starts bleeding. Like, God damn it, Roy, that was just blind fucking luck, you asshole. Because <laughs> I mean, really, it was a blind shot. He yeah. just he just fired while the trunk was still closed. Um, and I don't I don't remember what prefaced it, but um, he shoots Roy, so the trunk is now open. We finally get to see Mike Starr's smiling mug for mm. two seconds. Yeah, um, and. Roy is dying. Like, he's on his feet, but he's dying because he has multiple bullets in him. Yeah. And, and, like, he just stands there. And Billy Bob's like, it's an unrealistic goal. <laughs> it's an unrealistic so goal, Roy. Yeah. You're dead, Roy. Don't just stand there pretending you're not. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually he does die. Um, but, yeah, uh, long story short, the dock gives out. <clears throat> and Billy Bob falls into the ice water. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Uh, this is pretty funny because Bo- Billy Bob's in the water and he's, like, using the trunk to hold himself up. Um, Roy's dead, uh, but he's uh, holding himself up with the truck. He's like, you gotta help me, I can't swim. And John Cusack's like, I don't think I'm gonna do that. And he's like, what? Boom! And he like, <laughs> shoots at him. He's like, now why the fuck would I help you now? He's like, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's Look, really Wait, fun. you're kind of right. <laughs> I like that after he shoots at John Cusack, his reaction is, alright, that's it, fuck you! Yeah. And then he, he starts to leave. <laughs> um, but we have an exchange here where Billy Bob's in the water and he's slowly freezing to death. Um, and Cusack tells him, like, he he's very sure that he knows where the money is. He's very certain that there is a bag in the Mercedes-Benz, uh, which got me thinking. It's like, oh, so Cusack's probably mad at him because he thinks Billy Bob is fucking his ex-wife and was... Tr- planning to kill him and make off with the money so that's a lot of reasons to hate billy bob yeah um but he's absolutely sure that the money is in that car that's right up the hill uh it's not the case no. <laughs> uh he he runs out to the car and it just so happens that oh wait there's there's no money in there but before he discovers that he takes gladys and he pushes gladys's corpse on top of billy bob yeah he says, I don't want you to die alone. Oh. And I was like, damn, that's ice cold. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Vic drowns, freezes it, to death. And I was actually thinking about like getting away with this as a murder. Yeah. Uh, he does a pretty good job because yeah. he doesn't kill anybody. All the evidence, all the guns and everything are there. And they can put, oh, this 
this bullet wound matches hers. These, this is all here. But he didn't even handle a gun. But, well, I mean, he does handle <clears throat> Mike Starr's gun, but yeah. But by the time that they realize that this is a, like something has happened here, like I don't even know if there's enough evidence to put him at the scene. So I'm, I'm sure no. That's actually a pretty good, pretty good situation. Uh, but yeah, he heads back to the car and he discovers that the bag that he thought the money was in is full of clothes. Just clothes. And then he run, he pathetically runs back to the dock to see if he can save Billy Bob. And no, he is no, dead. He, he is, is very dead. He's dead. <laughs> yeah, he is he's very dead. And then uh, cut to John Cusack in a gas station bathroom getting boozed. Yeah. <laughs> this is very sad. <laughs> I like that uh, he comes out of the bathroom and he just opens one of the refrigerators in the gas station and just, just drinking it. Just opens a beer without even looking at the cashier. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he, he grabs like an armful of like toys, one dollar even... toys that you would get at a yeah. gas station. And the cashier has some snippy lines here like big spender. And Cusack just asks him, "Do you have any kids?" And he's like, "No." And he's like. Then shut, shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. Bag it. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Tells you where his head's at. Yeah, Charlie calls Renata and tells tells her everyone's dead. There's no one else. Yeah. There's no one else. There's no one else. Um, and I noted here she has Morticia's eye light. Um, I noticed that too, yeah. <laughs> like, that's a nice touch. Um, oh, and uh, I noticed it in American Beauty too um, on The Wife at one point. I mean, there's there's a long yeah. tradition in Hollywood of doing that with actresses and stuff. It's it probably works. it's probably not in fashion anymore, but you know, for a good stretch of time, that's what you did. Mm. Um, but yeah, Charlie goes, quote unquote, home, and <laughs> Oliver Platt is passed out, but he like wakes up for two seconds. Yeah, just like T- take me with you. Like I don't know what you're doing, but but take me with you. <laughs> and they have he uh, he has a really good line here. In this country, all that's left for men is money and pussy. <laughs> Oh, and then he passes. Out. Yeah, passes out. <laughs> he just like wakes up just for that, and then conks out. Conks her back out. Um, and then Charlie goes to see Renata. Yeah, but Bill Gerard has already been there, as evidenced by the fact that she is taped, seemingly the same brand of tape that John McClane used to tape the pistol to his back. Yeah, because it's definitely holiday print tape. Uh, she's taped to her chair in the back office. And uh, Charlie manages to slip into a back room just as uh, Randall Quaid shows up. <laughs> Randall Quaid, <laughs> uh, playing Mr. Gerard, who is apparently he is he is the man he is the man who's been whispered about throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. He is who the money came from. He is the man everyone fears. <clears throat> and this is his only scene in the movie. But I think you I think you're very right. I think Randy Quaid can play menacing very well he just never asked to be that he does well in um it's not menacing but he does well in Brokeback mountain he's the uh, trail boss uh, i can't remember him in that I, he, I mean i did see the movie but i don't remember him they they only show him a couple times they he he sees them frolicking when they're out playing he's given like a oh that ain't good and oh, then okay. when jake gyllenhaal comes back he's like, i was wondering if you need any help this spring he's like well i don't think i do like very much I'm like he can he can play a nasty guy, um, and especially in Freaked. Yeah, I'm like, there's there's a creep factor. He, to he this. has an edge. <clears throat> he absolutely does. Too bad. I think he's just so far off the booze wagon. Like he's just uh, yeah. He's he really uh, doing he much. hit the social media a little too hard. Mm. Uh, my mom actually saw him in like a stage, like a play, like mm. locally. Um, it was like some sort of touring like stage performance or something. She said he was great. I believe it. I mean, it was a while ago, like. 10 years ago but i was like really he's doing that it'll always be <laughs> and, cousin eddie i mean that and uh 
Russell Case to me anyway. <laughs> like, oh, he's good as Russell Case. Yeah. Absolutely. No, he he's perfect as Russell Case. Keep going. Keep <laughs> going. He's like half throwing up myself. Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he also quotes the bathroom scripture. So he it's kind of fitting that Randall Quaid, his introduction to this film is coming out of the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so immediately, yeah, he's like doing up this fly when he walks into the frame. Well, basically. this is the second Pulp Fiction moment. I meant to, I meant to mention when he's got the gun kind of on the case. It's kind of like Vincent Vega talking to mm. uh, the Phil Lamar in the backseat <laughs> and <laughs> fucking shoots him. And uh, uh, this yeah. is also where he gets like the drop on John Travolta. Like he's just in the bathroom, but it's not really a drop because he's yeah. still about to get caught. Yeah. It's it's those transitions, <clears throat> man. Like. A man is no more vulnerable mm. than post-coital or post-taking a drop in a deuce. Yeah. <laughs> or mid-drop in a deuce, actually. Because they're both very relaxing. <laughs> or tensed. <laughs> that is true. Your energies are true. devoted elsewhere. You can't defend yourself. That's true. <laughs> Not quickly, anyway. Not quickly. I mean, there's there there are decisions that have to be made in that instant that's like, do I keep going or do I get up or do I want to get up? Do I want to get up? <laughs> And if I lunge at him, <laughs> will that be good enough? <laughs> because that'll be really weird for both of us. <laughs> that would be very weird for both of us. Like, you wipe. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Eastern Promises, so I've seen naked fights. Oh, yeah. But I have not seen naked fights, like, mid-diarrhea or something. Oh, uh, that would be different. That, ooh, you might I, have, I mean, that would be awful. You might have something. A naked man coming at you with the intent to harm you while stuff is coming out of him? Or like you're trying to attack a dude and he's trying to defend himself while diarrheaing. I mean, I, I could totally see it happening. Like, I mean, pe- people pee their pants when they're tense. Sometimes. That's an art film, man. That, that's an art film, man. <laughs> no, like people pee their pants when when they're freaked out. Oh, yeah. just say they don't shit their pants. I mean, Eli Roth explored that territory with the Green Inferno. Mm-hmm. It's like, who's to say two guys can't oh. be wrestling and then someone just... I mean, I've seen that, that YouTube clip of that guy in the in the cage fight Ugh. shitting himself. Gross. And the other guy's reaction was very natural. <laughs> I don't want to wrestle this man Dude, anymore. That, I think I'm done. I think I'm finished. <laughs> it's like, can I have my money? Okay, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't cleaning that shit up. Um, but yeah, Randy Quaid comes out. And he's ranting about some stuff, and he, he has, I can't remember what he's talking about for the most part. Just basically he's shitting on the concept of lawyers, and how yeah. they're slimy people in general, and he can't believe that a slimy fucking lawyer would steal from him, someone that he thinks of as a friend. Um, he uses the word fart hammer. I have never heard that before, but I kind of want to use it, because I love it. He refers to John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton as fart hammers. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what it is, but I like it. It sounds great. Regis Philbin, uh, he makes an appearance on an episode of How I Met Your Mother, and he calls one of them Satchel Mouth. Whoa. And even in the in, even in the the show, he's like Satchel Mouth. What the fuck is that? That would give me pause. Yeah. Like that. That's. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Like, what? what Satchel you... Mouth. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I always say that to my victims. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, coming out of Regis Philbin. I always, I always, I can't do it. Yeah, you I, gotta I, flip the fuck out. It's like, I always say that to my victims. Yep. <laughs> Before. Before <laughs> like, I kill them. Um, but yeah, uh, he goes off on this tirade. John Cusack shows up. He, uh, Connie Nielsen tells him there is a shotgun behind the bar. If you could get to that, 
that is an equalizer. Yeah. <laughs> Make use of it. I know Randy Quaid's bloated and <laughs> he's big. He's he's a big guy. He's got a gun. Watch out! But if you have that shotgun, there's a lot of big dudes in this movie. There are there are a lot of big dudes. I don't know why, but that's just how it works sometimes. Um, and then the cop arrives, uh, and there's like a, a buildup where we keep cutting back and forth between the interior of the building where Qu- Quaid is stomping around, saying mm. like being ter- terrorizing everyone in the room. Yeah, and the cop shows up and is like checking the door and is like standing outside, and then Cusack. Fires the shotgun at Randy Quaid, and we get to see a whole bunch of pellets at the back wall, and Quaid collapses on the floor. Um, but Connie Nielsen points out that, by the way, the shotgun's loaded with birdshot. You might want to shoot him again. Yeah, you want to do that again. <laughs> um, but it's not in time because Randy Quaid stabs John Cusack in the foot. Ooh. And his reaction ooh, to bad. this is much more realistic, I think, than you see in movies. In right? Gladiator. Uh... Because what's his face? We are about to die. Salute. Oh. Uh, Sven Oli Thorsen. Sven. Uh, he just like bleeds out of his mouth. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. He got hit with a shield in the face right before. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But his reaction, John Cusack's reaction to being stabbed in the foot is like, it, it's realistic because he goes pale and he is immobilized. Yeah, he, like, can, he can't do anything. He tries to pull it out a little bit and I think Randy Quaid pushes it back in some more. He, he like taps it with his foot a few times. It's like, ooh, ooh that's but mean. One of the best, uh, somebody getting stabbed, just that fight in Lethal Weapon 2 between, uh, uh, what's his name? can't think of that. Just something, like he's got some kind of Irish name. We used to know it. Um, <laughs> he gets stabbed in the back of the leg and they're fighting and he's like pushing on it and Riggs is like yeah, he's screaming like, he's like spinning it yeah. he's twirling that shit oh you know he almost came you know Riggs almost came he loves being tortured he's like can we do that again <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is like the 40th take like, that one's good because of how he's screaming we can do better <laughs> this is really really good yeah it's really good and it's very tense because we keep cutting back and forth between what's going on because Quaid like turns his aggression towards Connie because she actually comes at him. She starts trying to stab him. Yeah. Also, um, he's drunk. Like the, I forgot to mention, John Cusack, like Charlie, is drunk throughout this whole movie. He's consistently drinking. Oh yeah. The yeah. whole not not having a beer here and there. Like he's remember, having whiskey. Yeah. Remember, yeah. this is all in a single evening. Twelve hours. Yeah. This is Twelve hours. He has not. He has not had time to dry out nor eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just been drinking and driving around with Oliver Platt all night. They stole this Christmas Eve while the sun was still up. So that's like, what, 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Something like that. Yeah. And we end at 7 o'clock the next day. Yeah. Um, Quaid's face is fucked. Yeah. He did get birdshot to the face. Um, it, the makeup isn't isn't great here. It doesn't need to be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not even on the level of Die Another Day with the diamonds in the face. It's oh. just like somebody put some dots on his yeah. face and gave him a, a bloody contact lens. That that is a nice detail. I appreciate it. Makes him look weird and creepy. Yeah. Um, he shoots the cop as soon as the cop walks into the room. No questions asked. Um, like I said, there's no payoff to the arc with the cop. The cop you think is gonna like come in and save the day or something and be like, "Hey, I got you, bud." Yeah. But no, he just walks in the room and gets shot right in the fucking face. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, he taps on the knife. And then Cusack... Um, oh, yeah, does he just hit it with his boot? Like, he just gives it, like, a Oh, yeah, tap? no, he, he, like, taps it, like, oh, on, on the handle. Fuck. And it's like, oh, my God, that's mean. Oof. Um, but Cusack yanks the knife out. He recovers a shell that's on the floor. He loads the shotgun, and he blows Randy Quaid's head off from mm. behind. Uh, we don't see the head explode or anything, but we do see blood 
fly all over poor Connie Nielsen. And her, her reaction is good. Oh, yuck! Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah it's, it's good. It's very, it's perfect for her character because I don't imagine she would overreact to something like that. No, because she seems pretty comfortable with the darker side of business. Yeah. Um, but then we go back to presumably like her home apartment whatever yeah she's like, cleaning up in the back room or something yeah she's just got a nice bathrobe on like she's getting all cleaned up yeah and stuff. cusack's uh taking drinking. care of drinking trying to tend to his foot wound um and then he goes poking around the closet though was he fine there kyle oh yeah uh we've got our uh we got our film noir here <laughs> uh he finds a big old thing of money and then it's like <laughs> so he figures out he's like oh they were in on it the whole time so connie nielsen and vic were going to steal the money kill charlie and then take off but actually what was going to happen was connie nielsen was going to kill the both of them and go off with the money. yeah she throws some <clears throat> she throws some lines of dialogue out there that she probably should just keep to herself yeah she's you know kind of making it known that she's up to no good she's she like said james she, bond villaining here very much so she's kind of feeling herself in this moment i guess yeah. but she she throws out there that oh you're the last man standing so it's like oh so you're saying like nobody's nobody's meant to be left standing is i what would you're telling me so much rather leave with charlie than vic i mean i, I would kill him on principle if i were her i'm like you're, <laughs> you're a piece of shit and a pornographer. Not that not the people who are pornographers are a piece of shit, but like that doesn't help your case if you're a piece of shit. Big time. Yeah. But um, he does have a couple of flashes where, it, like, back at the restaurant, he remembers that. Oh, when I sat down with Vic, there were two cigarettes in the tr- ashtray on the table. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then he recalls like when he was being ushered into the back room to tend to Oliver Platt, like he remembers seeing Vic leave with a woman. And you see a woman with long hair of the same color, like, meet up with him as they're exiting. So she was there planning things out. And that's how she knew some of the things that she knew, despite having no reason to know them. (laughs) Would that that, have given away too much? Oh, you know what he could have done? Mm. Uh, Was Billy Bob Thornton, you said he was smoking when he goes in there? Yeah. Okay. It would have been cool is if there if he would have like like flicked the the cigarette and there was a lipstick thing like he just didn't even like he just kind of noticed it like huh like you wouldn't you think like oh some like lipstick rubs off on cigarette butts but if you see Billy Bob Thornton kind of taking a drag and putting it out you just kind of notice like weird instead of having two cigarettes there to the viewer you're like oh something's going on here. yeah but like a small detail like that it's enough that you miss and then when you recall it yeah I thought that might no that that could have worked just fine. But, I mean, this this basically is explaining why she was encouraging him to do worse and worse things throughout the movie, like go and fight Mike Starr. Yeah, or, <laughs> what I'm getting at is this wasn't enough breadcrumbs for the viewer to pick up on. There weren't really any, that, other yeah. than her being suspicious from the start. But, like, in terms of things that you, the viewer, could have figured out on your own, there really wasn't any. I think that's what keeps it from being a super clever dark comedy, because, I mean, it ends with a twist, but there just wasn't enough there for us to pick up or be like, fuck, I didn't even see that. Yeah. Damn it. No, it it's a, a flaw in <clears throat> writing, I guess. It's yeah. just a little wimpy. It's fine. No, it's an it's still a fun movie. movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she comes out with her bathrobe, and she, again, she's saying too much. It's like, keep it to yourself, lady. She's like, it's just you and me now, Charlie. And then they embrace... And there's a gunshot. Yeah. And she says, what did you do, Charlie? And then we, for a second we hate him, but then all, all is forgiven because she had a straight razor at his throat. Mm-hmm. So he shot her dead, 
um, but she was she was in the act of attempting oh, yeah. to kill him. Oh, so she it, so was, all was forgiven. Why the fuck would she leave that money in the closet? That's that's not a hiding place, lady. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's like you no. find the right pervert, he's gonna fuck around in there. You <laughs> have like, a storage unit that you keep that money in. You have a friend's storage unit that you keep that money in. You know, give it to Ned. He's the most reliable worker that's he ever worked. Is he is just a diamond in the rough. Yeah. You know, you assign him a task, it will get done. It will get done. <laughs> no questions asked. Um but yeah, I, I like uh the shot when she falls down, like the camera pulls back and uh Outside of the door frame, so like the walls on the out- other side of the door frame are all red, mm. and it gave me the impression of like it almost looked like a curtain on a stage like pulling shut, like how a play would end or something. It's not how the movie ends, but it's like it you could have ended a play like that. I just, where this, he he just kind of like has his hand, his face buried in his hand, and he looks like oh my god, I'm a monster. Yeah, and then the curtains pull shut and like piano music (laughs) it's a sad melancholy ending Uh, but no there's more movie only a few minutes yeah Uh, Cusack is miserable in the fucking car and then he runs across Sydney yes Ned the bartender he's taking his kids to Disneyland for uh, (laughs) for Christmas morning He's, he's literally leaving on Christmas morning yeah, maybe not the best idea, but we Steph and I drove back from Indiana to North Carolina on Christmas Day just because the days off that we had were like we want to get back. We're tired of you know all this traveling, dude. Finding something open on Christmas Day in the Midwest or like down south Impossible. like that. Oh my god! Yeah. We went past gas station, gas station, gas station, gas station. Fucking we're like McDonald's has got to be open on Christmas. <laughs> Everything was going to be open at fucking noon, and we left at like 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh God. God, like, we had no coffee, like nothing to eat in the morning. We're like, oh, this I is I mean, miserable. depending, I'd be concerned about <clears throat> gas. We were so excited once we got to the gas station. We had disgusting gas station uh, sandwiches and pretty not spectacular gas station coffee. But we were just so fucking... <laughs> I think mean, I had a little yeah. bit to drink the night before, too, so I'm just like, I need, I need something. My God, that just sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, but we we wanted to get home. We're like, let's just get home. We've got like three more days off. We can watch Harry Potter and just chill. Just chill in our apartment. We're almost there, baby. We're, We're almost keep... there, baby. We just gotta just keep going. Like seven more hours. <laughs> just seven more hours, baby. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he runs across uh, Sydney, and he's got like an RV. He's he has got him, himself he's, an he, RV. Yeah, he has himself an RV. Um, but it's out of gas, and Sydney's pretty upset because I guess he got it from his mom. His mom lent it to him, and he has a long history of hating his mama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John Cusack advised him, do not hit your mother. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably not a good idea. Um, but Cusack uh, very promptly just says, hey, like, you can siphon some gas out of my tank. Super nice. Yeah, it's, you know, that's not something everybody would have the tools to accomplish on the, just on the fly, but he apparently has a tube, and he's ready to go. Yep. So he gives him some gas. And this is where we come back to the opening shot, and we discover why John Cusack is standing in a frozen field looking fucking cold and miserable. Oh, uh, it's crazy windy in Kansas. Yeah, it's because he's waiting for Sydney to finish siphoning gas so he can hit the road again. Um, and Sydney's, uh, you're, you know, you're the nicest guy I know. And he's mm. like, you know, I just shot a woman. Yeah. <laughs> She's dead. She had it coming. Yeah. It's like, you see the scar on my forehead? <laughs> And on my neck, not so much here, but right or here, here. But, but right here. <laughs> yeah, so he has a new hole in his foot, new cut on his face, and a new cut on his neck. So he has some scars for his troubles, and Sydney gives him a Merry Christmas. 
And as Sidney's trying to start his engine, for whatever the fuck reason, John Cusack is hit with inspiration. And he, he happens to have that same red marker he got from Oliver Platt's house. Mm. And he goes up to the back of the RV and he starts writing on it. And, and then this bizarre bit of black comedy, uh, the RV starts and backs up a couple feet. It hits him. Hits him, knocks him on his fucking ass in the street. And at first I thought he was going to die. Like, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. Like, many people have died in this movie. Like, it's a bittersweet fucking ending, but <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, but as it so happens, he wrote, as Wichita falls, so falls Wichita falls. And then the RV takes off and he gets back in the car. And uh, who should emerge from the back seat? I was not expecting this at all. I was not either, but I was very happy. Fucking <laughs> Oliver Platt just shoots off like, where are we at? Like, where are we at? Oh, it's great. Yeah, he, he, he pops up. So I guess he, he retrieved Oliver Platt and loaded up the, the I, bends with the money. And he he is doing what Oliver Platt asked. He's taking him with him. Yeah. And uh, they drive off. Oliver Platt's like, where are we? And he says, it's like, we're in heaven. And he's like. Do they have pancakes here? Yeah, have pancakes here. He's like, oh yeah, they got pancakes. Oh, I <laughs> wish I could just spend one night drinking with Oliver Platt. I think it would be the most fun just ever. I think uh, he'd, be a, he'd be so much fun. He seems like a fun guy. Yeah, I would. It would break my heart. It would break my heart if I found out he was like an asshole in real life. There's no, there's no way he I, cannot be an I asshole. I don't think so. That, that math doesn't add up. Not by if I ever meet anybody that's been in a movie with him, the first thing I'm going to ask them are great. I'm like, great movie. Is Oliver Platt nice in real life? Is yeah. he? Is, 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 like, is he a good guy? Is he a good guy? Just give me that. It's like, does he have a dog? Does he love that dog? He loves that dog. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was the Ice Harvest. Yeah, um, it's a very fun little cozy heist movie. Like it, it's you know a small town crooks movie. I might watch it tonight. To be, I'm being totally honest. I, it's on my HBO, uh, like on my subscription, so I just have it. Yeah, I started a week free trial of <clears throat> HBO, so I might have to take advantage of that while I got it. There's some, there's some good stuff on there. Oh, the favorite that should be top of your list. That's Greek guy. Yeah, lobster killing of sacred deer. Yeah, great, great, great time. I enjoy that. Okay, well, I might have to look into that. But yeah, this was. This takes place on Christmas Day, so this is very much a Christmas movie. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what day I'm going to be releasing this. Maybe Christmas Day. Yeah, who knows? Depends. But, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, not entirely sure what we're going to be putting up next week, but uh, thanks for joining us, and yeah. tune in next time. Well.